0: The land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Shall I pray for us as we come into God's word? Lord, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for the season of Christmas that brings So much joy. The celebration of Emmanuel. You taking on flesh and dwelling among us. Lord, may we be receptive to you this morning. May we love you. And may you bless us by your word. In your name. Amen. So, wonderful to see you. If we've never met, I'm Harry. Uh, As JB said, I used to do what JB did. Um, although not as well And uh, this is new, this is weird I usually walk around, I can't really do that with This, um, But uh, And I'm really, really pleased to be back It's wonderful to see you all uh, If we haven't caught up, do catch me after service It would be great to say <sighs> And I thought of course As it's Christmas We would do the story you do Every Christmas Like what else do you do at Christmas Apart from King Ahaz Like classic Christmas story right I always come to Christmas and think when is someone going to tell me about King Ahaz anyone else <laughs> maybe it's just me family traditions were weird in our house um, Ahaz was a king of Judah the southern kingdom of Israel and um, he, he wasn't a great king actually his dad uh, Jotham really great king led uh, the the people in the ways of the lord and his heart was for the lord his son hezekiah one of the great kings of israel of of judah again a great man of god but ahaz not so much and we find isaiah's uh, prophecy in chapter 7 stuck in the middle of a bit of a crisis ahaz is king of judah and there is a threat from the northeast. Rather than being Newcastle, it's Assyria. (laughs) So That was really bad, I'm sorry. Um, And Assyria is a kind of superpower uh, nation. They're bulldozing everything in their way. And Ahaz has a choice. Does he either join this coalition between Israel, the northern kingdom, who have kind of deserted from the ways of the Lord, who have teamed up with Syria to kind of try and fend off Assyria or does he kind of make friends with Assyria and say look if if you get rid of Israel and Syria for us we'll do whatever you want like forget a war we're pretty much happy to be in your pocket as long as you're nice to us and don't kind of kill us a pretty a pretty dire decision to have to make you either Join some countries who have deserted the Lord or your servant to a country who is just horrendous. Ahaz would go on to, to worship through child sacrifice, most likely from an influence from Assyria. Like when the Bible says these people did detestable things, it really was. What would you do if your whole livelihood, your whole security was at stake? That's what Ahaz is faced with here. And at this point, I've got some sympathy for him. He's in between a rock and a hard place. A slightly trivial example was from friends and I were on holiday once, and the only uh, transfer we could get to the airport would either get us there at 2 a.m., eight hours before our flight or half an hour before our flight at half nine or something and we thought do we risk not catching our flight for a lion we didn't and um, didn't go great but we got the flight uh, a slightly more um, sad example just not far from in Feltham, a young offenders prison I, I used to do some work there and chatting to some of the lads and they faced a choice between joining the local gang or refusing to join a gang but facing the violence alone. Just an awful situation to be in. And and lads who grew up within a cycle ride right from here, not far at all. Perhaps in our own life it's a choice of unethical or immoral practice at work or do we indulge in that and get ahead or or do we remain passive and say i'm, I'm not going to do it but you kind of approve it through silence maybe ezra's got to choose between his two favorite toys which one do i have my car or my bit of fluff <laughs> and that's where we find our setting of our story a has having to make a really hard decision and quickly, our sympathy for Ahaz wears off. Because Isaiah comes along, and if, we, if you want to turn to Isaiah chapter 7, that's where we are, verse 10. And Isaiah comes along and says, look, there's a third option. You don't have to do that. You could throw off all your alliances and trust wholly in the Lord. That's what we see just before our passage in verses kind of 7 to 9. You don't have to to give in to Israel you don't have to give in to Assyria you could trust the Lord like he's promised and we'll go on to find out that Ahaz just rejects it really heartbreakingly again the Lord spoke to Ahaz what's that five words again the Lord spoke to Ahaz this isn't the first time Ahaz knows the situation Isaiah has been telling him this already and again the Lord speaks if we have a look at our our context and what's going on here it's Isaiah speaking I think this is really significant that scripture can say the speech of Isaiah but quote the Lord speaks when Isaiah and God are in such communion, when, when Isaiah lives a godly life and his heart is for the Lord, and that, that communion, that community of thought and desire is so intertwined, so at one, when Isaiah speaks, God speaks. I was once doing a, a group and two t- teenagers came in the room. And um, I said, oh, girls, you've, you've changed your hair. You've plaited your hair. That's new. And um, they fell about giggling. I was like, okay, well, that's weird, but the teenage girls are standard. And um, they came up to me you know, an hour later in the group. They said, Harry, you w- won't believe what happened. You know, you know what you said when we came in? Well, we got home from school today, and we made, like, this prayer box, and we said, Lord, if this works, if, like, you, you, you want us to pray and stuff, then when we get to youth group if Harry says something about our hair we know we know you're you're like you're in this I didn't hear a voice that says Harry say something about the hair I just we live our life and God uses us Isaiah spoke his words and God spoke through him a spouse talking on behalf of their other a PR department press officer talking on behalf of a company, a friend or loved one talking on behalf. When we're so intertwined, when we know each other so well, our words become another's. In verse 11 Isaiah says, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. Isaiah says, Ahaz, ask for everyone. If you don't believe me, let God show you it's real. It could be as huge, it could be God spin the moon round. It could be as small as, Lord, give me a real peace of mind, a peace of heart. Is it any surprise that God wants to confirm what he's doing in our life? We see the story of Paul. That when he recalls his kind of conversion account in Philippians, he he says, when Christ appeared to him on Emmaus Road... He said, Saul, so stop fighting against the goads. The goads were like a, um, a pointy stick you used to, to herd sheep. Saul, so stop fighting against what you know I'm doing. Stop fighting against what you're thinking about and, and realizing about Christ. Now let me confirm it to you through this miraculous, ridiculous experience. Let me open your eyes by blinding you and then opening them. It may be as remarkable as that. It could be as gentle. You may know the story of John Wesley. He, um, for years, was involved in mission and and church stuff, but but found it hard to actually have a genuine faith. He went on mission to um, Georgia, I think it was, one year, and someone said, did you think that by coming here on mission, you would become a Christian? And he said, yeah. I thought that by doing this, this would make me a Christian. And I'm not sure if it has. And this wrestle kind of carried on. He tried to do things and it just never really, really happened for him. But he he was dwelling in it. He was marinating it. And then he says famously, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ alone for salvation. And the assurance given me that he had taken away my sins... Even mine. And he saved me from the law of sin and death. That, that little confirmation of years of of God's work in his life. of This this warming of his heart. I could tell you stories from my own life. Of significant things. Of moments of peace. Of moments of coincidence that just seem too much to be coincidence. Ask others in this room. You'll you have your own stories of moments where God has confirmed your faith through things going on. Sometimes miraculous and supernatural. Sometimes more gentle or everyday, but all this is significant. All is exciting. And Isaiah in verse 11 says ask for the sign that you need. God wants to speak to us in the way that works for us. Faith is faith, but it's not a blind leap into the dark. The will to believe must come first. But to those who truly desire, evidence is freely offered. We ask, we seek, we knock, and it will be open to us. It's not that we just stumble upon it, but but God says, come through. Verse 12, we see Ahaz's response. I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And we might read that on first thinking and go, oh, no, Ahaz is being a good, good Jewish man here, not testing the Lord, wanting to trust what's going on. But we read what's going on around it, and we realise that, that just can't be true. It's not refusal out of trust and faith. It's, it's refusal out of false piety. He just doesn't want to know. He doesn't want to even give God a chance to prove what he's doing. I was once having a conversation with a a staunch atheist, and we had a really good, a meaty, kind of no-holds-barred conversation, but but with gentleness and kind of respect for one another. I think we both really enjoyed it. I realised we were just going round in circles at one point. I said, look, why don't we just try and see it from the other person's view? Like I'm going to think about everything you've said and, and maybe you could say some more and and I could consider what it would be like if I was an atheist and I said to him Look, if I'm honest it seems a bit hopeless it seems a bit pointless because without a God what purpose is there and without a God what is there after death it's just nothing it just seems quite bleak to me I mean if it works for you great but just don't see how it could it just seems pointless and he said yeah fair it is but I find that comforting that I don't need to worry and I thought that's that's really sad I said okay try this then just for a moment put yourself in my shoes just imagine for a moment there was a God because if there is it changes everything and Like just just why not say a prayer I think we're going to be joined at the back Um, say a prayer that just says Lord if you're there why not show me who you are Lord if you want to do something then then do it if you're real show me and and you've got nothing to lose. Because if he's not real, then nothing will happen. But if he is real, everything changes. And he said, no. No, and I don't want to. And I just found that fascinating. Because it's not that he couldn't believe. It's not that it wasn't there for him. It wasn't that he couldn't understand. He didn't even want to know. He was so wrapped up in his bleakness and his... his comforting worldview that he found comforting even in a really weird way that he he didn't want to even know what could be ahaz shows us the danger of piety without faith of kind of going through the motions or or trying to look christian without the faith itself we get christian morals without christ the king We come to church without ever coming before our Saviour. We have Christian worship, but without the love of God. And the Christian life without faith is, well, neither Christian nor life. It's just pointless. If we take faith, if we take that trust that Ahaz just doesn't have out of Christianity, and we're left with nothing, And this is where my sympathy for Ahaz wears off. And we see that actually he's condemning himself. He's been given a chance. He's even been offered any sign that he could imagine as high as the heavens or as deep as Sheol. And he says, no, I don't want to know. I'm so wrapped up in my fear of Assyria. I'm so wrapped up in the decisions I've made that, Lord, I'm not even going to allow you in. And then we see the response of Isaiah. Hear then, O house of David. Hear then, O king of Judah. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? In verse 11 he said, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Now it's that you weary my God also. Ahaz has condemned himself. In rejecting him, the Lord is no longer his God. This is, in many ways, the beginning of the end, certainly for for Israel and, and Syria, but it becomes the beginning of the end for Judah as well. Within about 12 years, Israel will go into exile from the Assyrians. Within about 50, Judah will go into exile from the Babylonians. And then we have this pretty weird prophecy from Isaiah. We read it every Christmas, right? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We like that bit. It's easy. God with us. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. That's a little bit harder at Christmas. Now I think there's something going on here, both for Ahaz and and for the the Israelites and for us. There's there's a two-part meaning. That word um, virgin doesn't necessarily mean virgin. It means a young woman or, or an unmarried woman. Matthew in um, chapter one, when he's t- talking of Jesus' be- um, death, <laughs> doesn't it come in chapter one? When he's talking of his birth, talks about this passage as a, a prophecy of Mary being the virgin mother. But it could also mean young woman. I think there is a two thing going on here. God wants to confirm to the people of the time I am with you. If we turn forward to Isaiah chapter 8, we find out that Isaiah had a son. Verse 3, then the Lord said to me, call his name, I shouldn't have done this, should I? Mahashahal Hashbaz, that common name. For before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Israel. Before this boy reaches the age of about 12, Damascus and Samaria will be carried away. And that's exactly what happened. God said, this is going to happen. You can have a sign if you want, Ahaz. You don't want it, I'm going to give you one anyway. I'm going to show everyone that I am sovereign and I am Lord but I'm also going to sow the seeds for one to come ultimately. Emmanuel, God with us. Did Isaiah know that he was talking about Mary? This couple that would come from Nazareth in the north and go to Bethlehem in the south and have this kid 700 years from now. That Jesus would die on a cross and live this life? No. No. I don't think he did. I mean, chapters 1 to about 12 of Isaiah are messianic through and through. So many of our Christmas messianic readings come from the first 12 chapters of Isaiah. So he's definitely got a Messiah in mind. But I don't think it matters whether he knows the ins and outs. Because he's got the faith in the Lord. And when he speaks, God speaks. Because God is using his servant. Isaiah trusted God and God worked through Isaiah. So what is the answer when we're wanting God to speak? When we're seeking God's word, when we don't know whether our words are of our own or of the Lord? The answer is Emmanuel, God with us, Christ our Savior. What happens when we get wrapped up in dangerous alternatives to faith that, that drain our faith, that take us away and distract us from that? I don't know what that is for you. I'm not going to go into it massively now, but I, I think it's something worth thinking about. What's that, that touchstone for you that, that draws you away? The three famous kind of common ones, money, sex, and power. I think more and more I'm seeing intimacy, and comfort there's two things that I think all five things are good things and should be celebrated but in abundance make it worse you know on a cold night that we've been having recently and you're, you're cold in bed and you pull the duvet up as far as it will go and you wrap yourself in you're cosy and warm it's great and if you're anything like me at two in the morning you wake up way too hot because a good thing has become excessive and you've gone from being too cold to now being too hot and now you've got a different problem. Money, financial security, sex, relationships or, or things that we're watching that we shouldn't be. Power, relationships at work or status or, or things that we're gaining an identity from that give us, make us feel better than others. Intimacy. Relying on relationships or or things more than we do, God. Or comfort. I'm not going to do those things because actually life's just easier if I don't. All things that I think distract us from the sign that God has given us, Emmanuel. And as we said, finally, there's a, a danger that Ahaz brings on himself. This kind of banishment, this this rejection from God. No longer your God, but my God, Isaiah says. The answer to that, Emmanuel. God with us. The one who took on the wrath of God. So that all those who, surprise, surprise, have faith in him, will be given life. So we can have Christmas, we can have Christianity with Christian morals because of Christ the King not in spite of him. We can come to church being able to draw close to the throne of God, not dissociated from him. And we can come in worship through love of God and love for God and loved by God because of Emmanuel. I think we're going to have some songs now, some songs of worship. There will be prayer ministry available my right, your left, if you want to pray about any of those things or maybe just spend some time, part of this song, part of this worship, reflecting on one of those five things that, that drains your faith that we get so wrapped up in we forget Emmanuel that we bow down to our greatest enemies the things that actually would destroy us we make coalitions with and alliances with because it's easier And actually, the reality is it's not easier. It brings so much more trouble. In 50 years' time, because of Ahaz's actions, the country of Judah will be exiled and destroyed. This Christmas, come back to Emmanuel. Come back to Christ, the one who offers grace, who offers love. Father, we thank you that you came to meet us that you gave us a chance to come into your presence that you took on flesh and Lord we don't have to be wrapped up by fear we don't have to be wrapped up by false promises that promise so much and offer so little Well, I pray that we might be broken free from things that, that ensnare us things that we have bowed down to or made a pact with that draw us away from you. Lord, come meet us, bless us and love us.